Bye-bye. That was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Bye-bye, <laughs> I actually did the uh, effects for that. <laughs> I didn't know that, Muriel, but I did. Did you? I'm the okay. voice of the Babadook. Are you? Damn. Yep. That's scary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, welcome to the Movie Club. My name is Miro. I'm Kyle. And I'm Davinia. And today's session of the Movie Club will be about The Babadook, a cinematic piece created in 2014 and directed by Jennifer Kent. We are introduced to a single mother and a widow, Amelia, played by S.E. Davis, who lost her husband in a tragic car accident while driving her to the hospital to give birth to their son, Samuel, played by Noah Wiseman. She used to write books for children, but now works at a nursing home. Samuel <laughs> is a problematic, neurotic child, an outcast by his friends and even by his aunt Claire. Minor role played by Haley McElhenney and his cousin Ruby, a child played by Chloe Hearn. Samuel is also very irritating. I mean, well yeah. played. Both mother and son are shunned, but love each other. Amelia usually reads books to Samuel before sleeping, and one night he picks a mysterious book titled Mr. Babadook that he found in his room, just random. Amelia and Samuel are disturbed by the book, of course, because that book tells a story of supernatural entity that torments people. Samuel later claims that Babadook haunts him at night and sometimes during the day. Amelia rips up the book, throws it in the garbage, and burns it all of her efforts are pointless because the book mysteriously appears again at their door undamaged, right? So creepy. Yeah. Amelia uses Ooh. pills so Samuel and her can sleep, but nothing helps. And Amelia succumbs to Babadook. Possessed, she changed from caring and patient parent to a neurotic hallucinating abuser. However, together with her son, they denied Babadook any control over them, but you can get rid of the Babadook. So in the end, they learned how to live with it. And that's the story. I think the actress that played Amelia was always in, at the brink of tears, it seemed to me, mm. because mm -hmm. it's such a stress, right? And the trauma she had, she's always like, almost, almost. <laughs> and yeah. that's what the movie was actually about. I think, of course, the meaning wasn't so hidden that it mm -mm. can't be deduced. The Babadook is... The grief, depression, and everything that haunts you in your life oh, and that you can't yeah. get rid of. I think it was wonderful. Yeah. The portrayal of the parent being possessed is basically like them succumbing to bad ideas and bad emotions. I think you're spot on. If you see the trailer for it, it seems like it's just going to be one of these typical horror movies that was coming out at the time. Something like Sinister or Insidious or these type of films. Some kind of supernatural being with like a stupid name like Bagul. But it's pretty much just a supernatural entity. And so I think this movie was really well liked by people because it's not difficult to perceive the subtext of the film or what it's about. It's pretty obvious. I would say it's almost a little too obvious. I think it just had something deeper going on than your average horror film. And it's actually not about like a, you know... The possession, and yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, and she is the monster. I understand the Babadook is the grief and trauma and depression, but it's her at the same time. I think she's great. I'm not a parent, and the first third of the film assures me that I've made the right choice so far <laughs> because I could not live with this child either. 
But the kid's great because he's so obnoxious and annoying mm-hmm. and you feel bad for her, but he's also like really sweet at the same time. And the way he says certain yeah. things that you can't help but be like, oh, there's like two times that he does that. Well, the first time when he reaches for her, for his mom's face and kind of like caresses her, always melts my heart. It's like, okay, um, you're a quite a piece to deal with, but you're so cute. I just think it's interesting. We don't often see portrayals of parents being kind of not able to stand their own children a lot. Several female critics were offended by this portrayal of Amelia. Oh, yeah. Wow. Stating that no mother would ever mistreat their son like that. However, the director, Jennifer Ken, said that she was approached by several women afterwards who yeah. admitted that being a mother is hard, of course. And it would sometimes give them a negative thoughts of mistreating their children, even if they would never act on those ideas. Many women thanked the director, yeah. Jennifer Kent, for addressing this taboo. And I think it's great. Yeah. Showing it. Yeah. Jennifer Kent was extremely sensitive about introducing the themes of the film to the child actor, Noah Wiseman. Mm. Mm. During the three weeks of pre-production, she carefully gave him a child-friendly version of mm. what the story was about. Wiseman's mother was on the set throughout the film and Wiseman himself was never actually present on set during the scenes in which Essie Davis' character uh, Amelia abused her son. Davis instead delivered the lines to an adult actor who Mm -hmm. stood on his knees. Ken said, I didn't want to destroy a childhood to make this film. So to get the reaction shots of Wiseman looking terrified, Davis said things like, I'm going to take your Lego and throw them into the river. (laughs) I gotta say something from this, because we had seen this movie before. And Mm -hmm. even though like I liked all the acting, upon the second viewing, I was like amazed by how the kid acts. It's so good. Like it's so believable. And I'm glad that they didn't do it live on him because that really would be, even if acting. Yeah, but now it's even more surprising because all those horrified looks are from, oh, we're going to just destroy all your toys. And it's just so funny. It was actually (laughs) categorized as LGBTQ movie for no reason by Netflix accidentally. Yeah, so it was a big meme in LGBTQ community that we have a gay movie where there is no gay teams. That's so (laughs) There's not even a single... No, no, that was a mistake, a bureaucratical mistake. You said that the name is, uh, you didn't like the no, name. No, I absolutely uh, hate the name and the title of the film. I hate the name of the thing being Babadook. I hate saying it. I hate recommending it to people. It sounds stupid. If someone hasn't heard of it and you go, oh, you got to see this movie, The Babadook. It's like, no, I don't. <laughs> that sounds awful. It's Why? such a dumb name. I just hate it. And I hate the like, Babadook. It's, it's just, I don't like it. It does sound a little silly. It's stupid. It just sounds dumb. Babadook. It's like in Sinister or something. You find out the creature's name is Bagul. It's just dumb. (laughs) It's like a dumb name. It's really dumb. It's an anagram of a a bad book. Is that right? Oh my gosh. Well, it was a bad book. But actually, there was a promo where there were several thousands, I think five or six thousand books made. The, the Babadook books and oh, the first wow. thousand was signed by the director Jennifer that's Kent. so cool the book is awesome I love the pop-up book the movie for me like it's definitely doing something more than your average horror film of that era it actually has a theme and a point beyond just jump scares but at the same time they're doing a lot of the same moves as those movies and having someone call and being like Babadook that's that's I, the one scene I don't picture it in the same movie even though it's in it it's almost like my mind wants to erase it from yeah, it because yeah. it just feels so like silly it feels like it's from another film 
It feels like it's from some silly slasher film or something. He's like, oh, Babadook. It's just dumb. I'm sorry. It's a weird move. It's a weird This is a dumb name. Babadook. I hate saying it. I hate it. Okay. We established that you hate the name. You don't have to say it anymore. (laughs) Did you guys get that? I don't like the name. Do you have the name tattooed on you somewhere? (laughs) On his chest. On his chest. Yeah. I have a giant Babadook chest piece. In old English (laughs) on my back, it says Babadook. It's so hard to recommend. Because you got to go, oh, you got to see this movie, The Babadook. Now, I know it's a dumb name. I know it sounds like it's going to be a stupid horror movie. But really, you got to, you have to do like a caveat with it. Okay, it's called The Babadook, but it so, is okay. good. <laughs> we established that you hate the name. <laughs> and surprisingly, you're saying it a lot. <laughs> well, now I'm starting to come around to it the more it rolls off my tongue. I'm, there, there you, you go. go. Yeah. Maybe you're getting possessed by him and maybe he's making you love it. But where you. Scared by any scenes of the demon. I will not say his name because it brings up a passionate explanations from Kyle. I gotta confess something. Even though I'm an adult, I'm still horrified of the dark. So there is the one scene where the mother, she's looking at a corridor and you see like the arch of the kitchen. I think it's like the kitchen door or something. Mm -hmm. And it's all dark. You just see dark rectangle of the door and it comes to the screen that does spook me a little it's unsettling to see shadows moving some light reflecting there i think they're interesting effects i think they're creative obviously it's a low budget film horror used to be about what you didn't see and i think that's scarier than if you just see the thing walking around and slashing people up and doing stuff you really don't get any great looks at the creature it kind of transforms at the end into something that seems really huge and like some kind of giant demon but you just see like the tips of wings or something like that but it's always like in the shadows and there's some interesting almost like stop motion type effects and i think it's because the way that the effects are kind of strange makes it more unsettling i don't find it scary personally i think the first time you watch it it's a lot more effective i think this was like maybe the third time i've seen it now third or fourth honestly well, definitely, I don't think everybody will be marked for life, but I, while you're watching it, it was sometimes mm-hmm. unsettlingly scary. It could have gone wrong, too, because it's just this black figure with a hat and long fingernails, and all it ever does is stretch out its fingers, you know, or spread its fingers and like knives. And so I think there was some nice creative filmmaking there to make it work and seem unsettling. I have to say, though, aside from visual effects, I wanted to point out that Something that almost completely ruins the film for me is the use of stock sound effects, which I just don't understand at all. I'm talking about specifically the dragon sound that's in Land Before Time and many other films. In the moments of some of the greatest tension in the film, where the monster is really powerful and it makes it's doing this roar sound and it's just this stock dragon sound that's been in so many films. It's so corny. I think it almost completely takes you out of the film and the atmosphere that it has. And I just don't understand the choice of that, especially in the modern day. Like it's in such an important part of the film that man, I almost bust up laughing every time because it's so bad. The budget was only approximately 2 million. So they didn't have a lot of space to wiggle. They invested a lot of time to the interior of Amelia's and Samuel's house. It was completely built inside the studio. Wow. They initially thought of the building the first and second floor, 
as a separate set, but the, mm-hmm. there was a lot of moving around, around, running around down the stairs and up the stairs. So mm-hmm. they eventually built as a two-story set. So Damn. shots through the window to the outside had to be avoided since there was oh. it was inside the studio. The budget didn't allow for backgrounds. The production designer used a lot of dark earth tones on the set and all of the props and the furniture that were bought had to be painted darker to convey mm. the right depressive mood. Yeah. And then floorboards were also purposely worn out to give the house lived-in quality. That's interesting. So they had enough money to build an entire fucking house. But hey, let's save money on the one of the most important sounds in the whole movie. Well, and use I, a stock sound effect that's been in children's films. I think it's uh, excusable. 50s B-movies. It's, I excuse it. It's excusable to it's, me. It's not. It's completely inexcusable. <laughs> so not really, really. And I would tell Jennifer Kent that. I said, what were you thinking? That would actually be one of the first questions I would ask her. Why did you guys use that? Do you regret using that sound? It's that bad. I mean, really. Like, if you, oh. Only if you've heard it before. If you've never heard it before, it's fine. But if you're any kind of film buff, you'll go, wait a minute. And then you just start thinking about, where have I heard that before? That's familiar. I will call Jennifer. Wouldn't it be cool if we could have them as a guest? Sure. It would be so awesome. I mean, they would never speak to us if Kyle asks his questions, but yeah. If one time. Oh, you never know. (laughs) They may be out for the heat. I'd love to hear the story behind it because I always wanted to be a director and I just can't imagine using that sound. Like making a great film, building a whole house, coming up with creative effects and stuff visually. And then you use that sound as your monster sound. It's insane. I'll stop with the sound. But everything else in the film looks great. I never would have guessed that was a set. The house looks fantastic. And yeah, the color scheme and everything is great. And like I said, the visual effects are great. So I just don't understand skimping on that in a very important scene. Hmm. Well, Jennifer Kent has a lot of integrity because she was asked to do a sequel. And mm-hmm. she said there will never be a sequel yeah, because good. it's not I mean, that kind of a God. film. Right. It's not that she kind doesn't of care what she will be offered. It's just never going to happen. And I understand yeah, yeah. this is not the sequel kind. It's just because it made a nice profit. So they go, oh, we can make a sequel to this. It's made 10 of and course. a half million approximately. So well, maybe. On what kind of budget? That's probably like almost pure profit. She's got a, a lot of integrity. So again, I don't understand that choice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not done. We will write to her <laughs> and ask her a specific question. If we ever manage to get a hold of her and invite her over, that will be the thing. I don't know actually what else she's done and what she's done since. I like it, but it is a little on the nose. It is a little obvious. And that's where I just prefer things that are more atmospheric and unsettling left a little more unclear. As you know from a lot of my movie picks in the past, I like things that are a little more obscure. Because I find that scary. I find the not knowing things to be scary. Scarier than, you know, oh, it all it's just a metaphor. Like an obvious metaphor. I'm sure some people were like, what the fuck is this at the end? What are they doing? Feeding it and stuff. But everybody else besides that guy got it. Okay, so we established wonderful sound effects, great name, (laughs) and... (laughs) (laughs) I love the kid's contraptions that he builds, his weapons. I don't believe that he could build them, but I like them. He's smart. No, come on, man. What? That is, he's like an engineering genius. So what? what? Are there no engineering geniuses? Buddy, I just think it's unrealistic. But I like how all that came together because you're kind of on her side in the beginning. We sympathize with her and he is annoying us and he screams, but he's also kind of sweet. You see little hints of that. 
And I just really like the transition by the end when he has her tied up, but he won't leave her. You really do see that the whole time it really has been about protecting her, all of this stuff and getting ready for the fight that he knows is coming. I think that stuff is really well done. And he's like a hero by the end and his contraptions work really well. He has a perfect little plan. And I just like how he's kind of vindicated by the end and knew what was up the whole time. All right. So Davinia, do you have anything else? And your nudes? Um, nudes? Nudes. She's not going to provide you nudes. <laughs> no, please. No, thank you. Davinia, do you have any nudes for us today? <laughs> <laughs> that was reserved for Boogie Nights. I'm sorry. Okay. But you all missed the fraternity. Never okay. asked. So. Sorry, sorry. We're moving on then. Okay, now that the bloopers are done, let's make our final judgment here. And I say this was a good movie, worth a watch, even several times, and therefore it is 8 out of 10. Damn. I watched it several times, of course, throughout my life, not now. I rated it a long ago, and now I rated it again blind. I didn't look at my previous ratings, and it's the same. So it's a solid rating. Wow. I think my rating is going to sound low, uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm thinking in terms of like other things that I've rated. And I think uh, it would have been higher the first time I saw it. I do think the more that you see it, the less effective it is. That's probably true for most horror films in general. But I just think it really feels like it's beating you over the head with the themes by like the third time that you've watched it. And it's just a little like too much on the nose. So I'm going to give it a six, six out of ten. I will be right in the middle of you guys. Split the difference. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to give it a seven. It is totally worth a watch if you've never seen it. It's gonna. It's like a great pick to watch. I appreciate the fact that for the time it came out, it's a great horror film. We were used to getting all these like dumb, silly horror films with not much of a thought. It did a good job for what it is. The fact that you refuse to do a sequel tells you what you need to know. Go back and look at horror films from 2010 to 2015. It's just, this is one of the best ones. Yeah. Well, it's very hard to make something like that, right? Good horror movie. Mm, I don't know about that. Okay. You, Mr. Director, we are looking forward to your presentation. I would do a weird fucking movie. You know I would. <laughs> it, my movie would be weird and like overly pretentious and artsy. And oh my God. that's yeah. just the kind of thing I would do. All right, everybody. That's it. You just heard our review for the Babadook. <laughs> okay. That was the Babadook. We rated that one an average of 7 out of 10. Hit us up on Twitter at movieclub underscore pod and give us a rating on your favorite podcast platform. We'd really appreciate that. And you can find plenty of more reviews from us on your favorite podcast platform. You can join Movie Club on Patreon. Subscribe to one of our membership tiers. You're going to find the link to that in the description. Next week, we're talking about Boogie Nights. So boogie on down, watch that film, and then check back in with us to hear our illuminating commentary. See ya.